The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership across the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. This Sunday, is, as is our annual custom, we honor four of 4,000 graduating seniors at Boston University, Tyler, Monica, Rebecca, and Radha have been selected to speak to you on the theme, the voice of another generation coming forward, on the theme, This I Believe. Over the past five years at Marsh Chapel, some 50 young women and men have taken one step or a continuing step in their response to a calling, a sense of vocation in one form or another. With you, we are happy, we are joyful to listen for the word of God in these voices from the next generation. We invite you now to stand as you are able as we enter our time of worship.
Together, may we pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we enter our time of worship cognizant of the great embrace of divine love about us, remembering that sometimes sin is simply not receiving what is offered. Sometimes sin is just not taking what is given. So in a spirit of conviction about the pardon and grace we receive from God's hand and with an openness to the possibilities and potentials in life, we offer our prayers of confession as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. Let us pray. thy grace we would not be, but for thy grace we could not love, but for thy grace we should not speak, but by thy grace we live and love and speak. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
A lesson from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 through 19 through 25. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively the psalm from 23, with the antiphon. My shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. and the reading of our gospel.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Glory to you, O Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. our joy this morning to welcome you to our annual tradition here at Marsh Chapel this Sunday before graduation to invite four graduating seniors to reflect on their lives of faith during their time here at Boston University. We uh, this year invited the entire graduating class to submit reflections. 18 were submitted and four were chosen. We hope for those of you for whom graduation is a future endeavor that when your time comes, you too will submit and participate in this wonderful tradition at Boston University. This morning, I have the great privilege to introduce first Mr. Tyler Sitt. Tyler is graduating from the College of Communications with a degree in Communications Studies. He is from Chaska, Minnesota. He has served for the past four years as a Marsh Assistant and Ministry Associate here at Marsh Chapel. We are greatly pleased to see him graduate, even as we are deeply sad to see him go. Tyler is headed off in the fall to the Candler School of Theology at Emory University, where he will be pursuing a Master of Divinity degree as he moves on toward ordination. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you. God be in my end and in my departing. I've spent four years at Marsh Chapel with some hiatus in the middle for living abroad. The worship service we are sharing today has followed me through my college career, regardless the continent I was on, 
And for the sake of our time, which is now, and for the sake of our place, which is here, I would like to frame my beliefs in the elegant rhythms of the Marsh Chapel worship service. And what better place do we have to begin but the end? From this call of response, let us step back to the prompt. God, be in my head. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I believe we can be a benediction for each other and in so doing witness a gospel in the present tense. I believe the spirit lives in the hearts of all and we cannot begin to understand the nature of God without the participation of all. I mentioned I lived abroad, but surely the most important travel I have ever done was to visit the temples of everybody, to sit in the pews and... Uh, of another person's understanding of God and glissando and reverence of another person's chorus. The past four years gave me conversations with people who envision God from a different angle. My Orthodox Jewish brothers looking back through history, my Buddhist sisters looking around and within, my Catholic friends looking... Well, I'm not really sure, but they are indeed beside me, and I cherish them like I do my Muslim classmates and my Hindu roommates and the debates I have with the swell of atheism that characterizes this generation. What a benediction they are to me, and how earnestly I try to represent Christ to them. I believe that our offertory can be a social one, that when we are with each other, we can bless each other just as we have had blessings poured upon us. For it is when we are with each other that we can find our place within creation that has already been worshiping all creatures of our God and King. Lift up your voice and with us sing, Alleluia, Alleluia. It is when we walk in offering and sacrifice to God that we can hear each other that the prayers of the people can find volume, and how greatly the capacity of our hearts enlarge when, kneeling next to each other, we can support the whole world and work to end suffering that we can only touch by prayer. And for the suffering that we will encounter once we step outside of this sanctuary, we orient ourselves right, crying, lead me, Lord, for I have lost my inspiration. Lead me in thy righteousness, for we have rejected our liberation, Make thy way plain before my face, O you, our object of adoration. And after such contemplation, I find I can't help but preach about it, to share a gospel with my tongue, but also to deliver a sermon with my living, that each song I sing can be like David, that each lesson I bring can be like Paul. Not that either of those guys were particularly holy, which works out for me because I'm not either. The good news, though, is that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love for us. Now all we need to do is prove that we can love each other. I believe that each morning gives us opportunity to begin worship anew. Just like this morning, how we gather here, now, where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south. We follow the same worship rhythm but the song changes with every breath. Amen.
Our second This I Believe speaker this morning is Miss Monica Castillo. Monica is also no stranger to Marsh Chapel, having been part of this worshiping community for the past three years. Monica is graduating after only three years of study here at Boston University with a degree from the College of Arts and Sciences in Sociology. She hails from Tampa, Florida, and her future beyond these next, this next week at this point is yet indeterminate. <laughs> Welcome, Monica. I never suffered growing pains when I was younger. If you can't see me behind the podium today, you now know why. <laughs> Childhood didn't quite prepare me for the lessons I learned in college. I wasn't challenged out of my comfort zone often. I went to middle school with practically the same people and teachers as I did when I left for college. Change was not something I was used to, but it was something I desired. On my own for the first time, I felt truly lonely at college. Seeking to keep some regularity in my life, I came to Marsh Chapel for services on a very windy but sunny day. I dragged my parents along to a service they said reminded them of the Phantom of the Opera. Yes, the music was new for me too, but the message was similar. After the service, they offered a trip to the JFK Library, and I decided to tag along. And along I stayed. It was in March I found a home away from home. I ran here when news of the stock market crash hit, and since then, nearly every crisis I've gone through has ended with me coming here for help. Within the month of classes, I lost one of my youth pastors from home and ended up in the sanctuary crying. I wasn't alone for long before someone came and talked with me. I found other people just as interested as I was to find friends. I started to joke that Marsh had adopted us bratty freshmen. One friend and I even made a Marsh family tree, with Dean Hill and his wife Jan as our grandparents, Elizabeth as our aunt, Ray as our uncle, and brother Larry as, well, our brother. <laughs> to further the joke, I started to write the Thurman Room Couch number 1 as my address in the Red Book in the pews. It saddens me to walk away from all this after only three years. After all the traveling, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay here, in Boston, at Boston University. In my case, I won't even graduate with the girls I was so closely friends with. They still have a year to go, and I am leaving early. My, friend, my family is coming out from the South to see me graduate, but I want my Northern family, my Marsh family, to be there too. Perhaps it's this kind of sadness that acts like a growing pain letting me know that it's time to move on. I fear that to graduate is to lose them, but wherever this graduation process drops me off, I hope I to still have my faith in this family, because that's what Marsh has taught me. Not faith in the good book, I've had that for a while. No, Marsh has given me back my faith in the family, faith in friendships, and restored my faith in nearly everyone around me. Perhaps I'll be able to walk away from here as I did my home in Florida, assured that even if I move, or they move, that we will always have the times we once shared in a place we called home. Perhaps these growing pains would at least lend me an inch or two in time for graduation. Thank you.
third speaker this morning is Ms. Rachel Hassinger. Rachel is graduating from Metropolitan College with a degree in interdisciplinary studies. She lives here in Boston, Massachusetts and works at the Boston University School of Public Health. Welcome, Rachel. Good morning. I am Rachel Hassinger. Thank you for including me in your service today. I started this journey to graduation many years ago at a different school. Now I am finishing here at Boston University. I am a woman of faith. I used to believe in a God that heals. I still do, but it hasn't been easy. I grew up a believer. I led the youth group and studied the Bible with my peers and my mentors. I joined ecumenical and other student religious groups at my previous college. Unfortunately, I was wounded. My experiences with extreme anti-gay hatred and fear catapulted me out of the church. While this may not change soon, I trust that although my life at BU, my student life here, did not lead me through Marsh Chapel or other religious groups, my final days as an undergraduate student are just the beginning of my future, grounded in a faith that knows no boundaries, a faith that transcends creed, class, or nationality. This I believe. I believe in a goddess of suffering, a god of true life. I believe in a spirit of justice, a father-son, mother-daughter tree of life. I believe in a faith that shatters and is yet still restored. I believe in a Jesus that lived on this earth and suffered beyond human understanding. I believe when an officer shot and killed Dan Roy Henry, a black 20-year-old Pace University student who was sitting in his car outside a New York bar last year, our Yahweh mourned. And when that same cop was crowned Officer of the Year, we can hear her wail in sadness and rage. I believe that God created each of us in her image, that race and gender are built by humans to explain oppression based on color, country, gender expression, sexuality, or creed. I believe that a person who steals for bread is first and foremost hungry, that we as a society are accountable for acquiescing to that system that leaves that one and a million more starving and underfed. I believe that God knows no borders, God knows no walls. If we listen to the oppressed, 
such as the Palestinians whose homes are being bulldozed in Gaza, the Jews who came before whose lives were shattered, the Muslims targeted by xenophobia and bigotry, or the persecution of the brown-skinned today in the name of so-called secure communities. We can hear our Lord calling us to turn over the tables in our temples of greed. I believe in a love that seeks justice, in a love that kindles passion and purpose in those that know her. I believe that God blesses everyone. God does not only bless America or Boston University or the wealthy, the light-skinned, the able-bodied, or the straight. God blesses all. I believe that no matter what humans conjure up as creed, that the single most important truth resides in these words from our Lord Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. RuPaul, host of Logo's hit show, RuPaul's Drag Race, says it another way. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? Can I get an amen? Amen. final speaker this morning is Ms. Radha Patel, graduating from the College of Arts and Sciences with a double major in biology and religion. Radha comes to us from Cornwall, Connecticut, and she is headed toward applying for uh, physician's assistant graduate programs in the future. Welcome this morning, Radha. Thank you, Brother Larry. Two weeks left. left of her undergraduate education. (laughs) Two weeks left of our undergraduate education and the first sunny day of the season upon us. A new friend and I sat on the BU beach. Our professor had just mentioned the saying, all paths lead up the same mountain. While my friend had recently heard a similar adage, the view is the same at the top of the mountain. Thus began our debate on whether the two maxims had the same significance. This moment was a triumph for me in more than one way. 
Not only had I picked up on the nuance in the sayings, but because I, myself, confessed to what I believed to be true. All paths up one mountain suggest everyone looks for a universal divineness believed to be at the top, while climbing for a view highlights a moment for contemplation. A concerned underclassman once asked me if I ever felt myself overwhelmed, depressed, or confused by deciding to double major in religion and biology. It was the first time I was asked to consider my personal beliefs and how they were affected by studying religion and science, and I was scared. Until then, I carefully isolated what I studied from my faith. Being a student, there's an understanding that we are to be the pragmatics in society. Better to be one while at the forefront of a progressive one. I wasn't ready for my faith to confront what I was learning. I was frightened by the possibility of coming to the logical conclusion to reject God. And I was ashamed to admit, if he did exist, I did not want to be punished by God for rejecting him. Instead, it was easier to shunt those niggling reservations. I even thought to myself, I would reflect when I had the time. I was too busy studying, making friends, traveling to be able to peacefully think. Whenever there was a quiet moment, the conflicts between reason and faith screamed to be heard in my head. Obviously, this wasn't successful. And then, slowly, in the sanctity and secrecy of my own mind, I began to pose questions, at first in an assumed format. Humans are only given so much responsibility because God believes us to be capable, right? God ensures that in the end, it is a just world, right? I then became more ambitious, and I asked, is there a paramount realization experience to be had if we meditate hard enough? Should authentic reactions of hate, jealousy, and anger, though facets of humanity, be denied because they are ugly? Are all faiths taking different paths up the same mountain? Learning and inquiring has threatened my faith. However, it is thrilling, and I have developed a more nuanced view of it. Questioning is strenuous and a blessing. You are your own most judgmental critic. But in this way, once you form your fluid convictions, you understand the path you took to get there. This I believe. As you ascend the mountain, having absolute static principles is easy. Allow yourself to doubt and form dynamic beliefs. While it may make you feel vulnerable, it is right before then that you see the view.
be seated. Dearly beloved, we come to the time in our service when we offer our prayers before the throne of grace. I invite you to assume a posture of prayer according to your tradition, to stand or kneel or come to the communion rail or remain seated where you are. As we sing together our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. We come before you, O God, this day at the end of yet another academic year. We pray your blessing among all of those who are graduating from universities across this great city of Boston and the coming weeks. We pray especially for our graduating students here at Boston University. We pray as they head out into fresh lives in a brave new world that your spirit will come among us that we may be a benediction for each other. We pray that your spirit will enliven our hearts to share your gospel with our tongues, but to deliver sermons with our lives. We confess, O God, that there are times in our lives, times of great transition, when we feel truly, desperately alone. We seek for some degree of regularity and stability. We pray that as many in our community are headed out into the world, that they will find new communities of stability and grace, that they may come alongside and that may come alongside them. We confess, O God, that for many in our world, we are afflicted by hatred and fear. We know that you mourn with us. We know that you are created in your image. Give us grace, O God, to follow in your calling to pursue lives of justice in a broken world. We confess, O God, that there are many ideas that we come across in the great halls of higher education. These ideas don't seem to make a great deal of sense as we seek to bring them 
into relationship one with another. But we confess also that it is you who provide these questions for us. Questioning is hard, but it is also your blessing. Having static beliefs is easy. It is you who grant us doubt that we might form more dynamic beliefs in a spirit of vulnerability. And we know, dear Lord, that life is short and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who walk the way with us. So we ask that you be with us that we may be swift to love and make haste to be kind. O God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and all listening on airwaves and internet signals around the world. We do thank you for being here and hope you will be here with us especially next Sunday, our baccalaureate service as part of the university's commencement activities. It is at our regular time, 11 a.m. next Sunday. We hope also that you will join us following the service for a reception for Sister Olga of the Eucharist, our Boston University Catholic chaplain, who on June 30th will be departing for another ministry within the Archdiocese of Boston. This is our opportunity as a community here at Marsh Chapel to greet her and wish her well. 
We do note that even though this is the end of our academic year, that our services do continue at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings throughout the summer months, and we hope you can join us as you are able, either in person or listening from afar. We would note a full list of graduates who have been involved in the life and ministry of Marsh Chapel, noted in the back of your bulletin, and encourage you to greet them as you find them throughout the coming week. A full listing of services and activities are available on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel. We hope you'll take an opportunity to fill out the red pad found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can help get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. And also available on the chapel website is the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
God, we give you thanks for the inner wisdom that you have placed in us and for the grace that you have poured over us. As we offer these gifts back to you, help us to discern how they and we may best serve you and your world. Amen. Think about the voices that have resounded in this space over the last 60 years. Focus on one name, famous, well-known to you, woman, man, the voices that have preceded us at Marsh Chapel. 
to those are now added with our graduates, with our named graduates, four more voices resounding in the space of Marsh Chapel. We want to thank them publicly and personally and honor them with a moment. And now, as has been predicted, we will hear a benediction that goes as follows. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.